Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Monk and S, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Darren Pang, final appearance of the 2022-2023 campaign. He will be joining us. Jackson, what time will he be joining? 10.15. 10.15. Early bird gets the word. That's my credo. Penny save, penny earn. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. I'm in deep. I'm in deep. Clark W. Griswold. Mm-hmm. Christy Brinkley. What was her character's name? Though? Did she have a name? I, I thought she was just... Girl in Car. Yeah, I don't even know if she had a name. Which came first, the Uptown Girl video or National Lampoon's Vacation? Boy, yeah, both happened 15 years prior to my birth, actually more than that. Still, it was part of the show prep notes. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, well, you can text in the answer, 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service. Text. Are we giving away anything today? Uh, no. Nice. Jackson just, like, leaned in to hide. I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, I, I asked a question, and, and he, it's like he climbed into a foxhole. Well, what were I, you doing? Every day feels like a foxhole, but um, I, I just had to move the computer around the monitor. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty good at doing it now without uh, – it was better when you were in Florida and you couldn't tell I was doing it. But, yeah, I uh, I had to move it around so I could see the wonderful text we get on the air. Oh, so yeah, you know that Jackson will be reading your texts – 314-399-9646. Darren Pang with us at 1015. And how do you do? I was reading a story on TMA about an hour ago that uh, baseball ratings are up substantially with the shorter games. The games, first 11 days of Major League Baseball, 309 was the average time in 2022. Two hours, 38 minutes in 2023. Stolen bases up. The success rate on stolen bases are up. Batting averages are up. But yet Cardinal fans last night at around 8.30 or 9 o'clock were feeling rather down. And understandably so. It looked like the club was about to drop to 3 and 8. And then Nolan Arenado. How about that? Oh, and then you just did the Lars Newbar salt shaker. That's what Arenado did right after he slid into yeah. second base. They're bringing it back. They are. Uh, that was the pepper grinder. This is the salt shaker. They, they retired the salt shaker. And it's back because they were struggling. The pepper grinder is back. Because the salt shaker had led to a slow start to the season. Right. I mean, I'm in a, in a couple of group texts with some friends, and people are just like, man, they're going to suck this year, and this is going to be... And listen, hey... You know what? Miles Michaels didn't have a good night, but uh, you'll hear from him momentarily. 
Uh, it turns out it was the best outing he's ever had at Coors Field, he said. <laughs> game now tied at six. Well, we head to the top of the ninth inning. A lot of people monitoring the game because I had a three-game parlay lying a uh, run and a half for the Orioles, and they had covered and laying a run and a half for the Blue Jays, and they had covered, and I took the Cardinals minus a run and a half, and so a win by one wouldn't necessarily be a win for everybody involved in this show, but here is where the win took place. Nolan Gorman now joins us on Balloon Party. Here is Chip Carey's call. He'll lead off. Swing drive! And they get insurance runs, so everyone wins if you were laying a run and a half. So the Cardinals go from what felt like what really would have been a true regular season at this point in the season stage low point. Uh, I know they started off really rough in 2017, and that was kind of a smoke and mirrors operation in 2017 that did get into the wild card mix, but I don't think too many people thought it was a great team. Uh and now four and seven feels different. You got a chance to take two or three, and then you come home and take on the Pirates. And I know the Pirates are seven and four, but it's the Pirates and Diamondbacks. And maybe if this thing turns around, you can point to what took place last night in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Jackson, uh, I know we have uh, some sound here. Who do we have? Who would you like the audience to hear from? Miles Michaelis. Yeah, Miles Michaelis talked about his start. And had a really good attitude about the whole situation. Uh, you'll hear what he had to say. Here he is, Miles Michaelis, courtesy of Bally Sportsman West. Better than any of the other start I've had here. <laughs> and we won, so, you know, in some odd, you know, in some odd parallel universe, I'm not super upset with today. The team won. Uh, the offense really picked me up. We made some great defensive plays. This is a team game. Um, and I didn't. I didn't pitch as well as I'd like to or probably as well as anyone would have liked me to, but, um, you know, some days you have bad games and I don't get the win, but the team does. And I think, you know, at this point in the season and the way we've been scuffling a little bit out of the gate, I think that's just the most important thing is we got a win today. The hitters showed up. We got some, you know, we put a good late rally together. That's, that's great for the offense and we played great defense and, you know, my pitching will come around. I've been making good pitches and keep doing what I'm doing and I'm, I'll have some good results. Uh, the last part, I got, when you don't hear major league pitchers with a 10.05 ERA usually say, just got to keep doing what I'm doing. But uh, if he's confident and the team got the win, fine. And he comes home and he gets to face the Pirates on Sunday. That might be a nice elixir for his problems. And as he said, he has had terrible starts at Coors Field. And it really was going fine, but the fifth inning absolutely imploded, seemed rather benign, and then things got going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, the Cardinals also have a rally that starts seemingly benign. And for the first time since the bottom of the eighth to open the season against the Blue Jays, Jackson, Nolan Arnold comes up, and he has a great opportunity, and he does it and gets the Cardinals tied uh, from 6-3 six to three to 6-6. Six to six. And at that moment, you kind of had a feeling that they were going to be able to get this thing silent in the eighth, got it done in the ninth with Nolan Gorman's home run and then some insurance added to it. And the Cardinals get the win as the bullpen holds the Rockies scoreless for the final four innings after Michaelis's implosion in the fifth. And that's the thing you got to keep an eye on here when you have starting pitching issues. It's not just those first few innings, which really hurt the Cardinals yeah. in particular in that Brave series, but the impact it can have on the bullpen as things go along. It's one thing to lose a game like that. It's another thing to win it 
go into a day game today. You're going up against Jose Urena, not exactly a great pitcher. Anxious to see how Jack Flaherty controls his pitches as he is going to be on the mound for the Cardinals. And then they come home, and hopefully you can have a week where you get four or five wins against some subpar opposition, at least what you would think will be subpar opposition in the Rockies and Pirates, and uh, maybe begin the turnaround. Uh, Here is what Ali Marmol had to say. It is not what Ali Marmol had to say. I apologize. What I would like to do right now is I would like to apologize to Jackson, number one. I'd like to apologize to the audience, number two. But I watched the post game, and I'm going to now paraphrase Ali Marmol. Well, you know, it was a great win. It's a great comeback. And, you know, the first 10 games uh, didn't go the way we wanted to. But uh, you get 16 of these 10-game sprints. And the first one's in the past. And now hopefully we're starting off the second one on the uh, right foot with this comeback win. Oh, we're going to hear the real one? Yeah. Let's see how accurate I was. It's like a, ga- it's like a guessing game. Yeah, it's good. We talked about it as a club. You get uh, the first 10 games aren't exactly what we wanted. And you, you get 16 10-game sprints in a season. And uh, the first 10 is behind us. And we got to do a good job of taking a deep breath, putting that behind us. There's a lot of trust in that clubhouse. There's a lot of trust on the staff to be able to um, execute moving forward. So that's behind us. And uh, now we go. There we go. There it is. I feel like I was about 75% accurate. Yeah, I'd count that. Kind of a pleasant surprise for something I watched at 5 this morning. Uh, so the Cardinals get the win. Jackson, what is your takeaway from the festivities last night? There is no such thing as a must-win game in Denver, Colorado, no. in front of 15,000 people uh, in April. But, man, 3-8 and eight with another bad start from Michaelis if Arnado doesn't get that hit. The conversation this morning is a lot different, and justifiably so. Yeah, I think uh, one of the I, if you were to make the top two issues with the Cardinals so far this season, starting pitching for sure is number one by a wide margin. And then second would be situational hitting, and so they get a big situational hit. I mean, the biggest outside of hitting a grand slam out of your best or second best player. That's huge. That that can't be understated how big that is because if you get overstated. Barn- yeah, apologies. Uh, if you get Arenado and Goldie both hitting situationally, your offense is going to be in really good shape because you're getting power and hits otherwhere, uh, in other places. Jordan Walker obviously has been very effective. Nolan Man, Gorman, records. yeah, Nolan Gorman with the home run in the ninth, he's been outstanding this season. So if you can get good situational hitting from Arenado and Goldschmidt, I think their bats will warm up once the weather warms up a little bit for both of them hitting it out of the ballpark. So that's really good to see. You know, starting pitching is still. Obviously, the big headline that needs work. As it should be. Yeah, and and you can't defend the starting pitching whatsoever. And I think Michael is saying, you know, I'm going to keep doing the same thing I'm doing, probably more from a process standpoint, continue to prepare the same way he does and trust his stuff because it's gotten him this far. So I don't disagree with that. But, yeah, I don't think you can say with a 10 ERA that everything's going swimmingly. Yeah, and I, I do understand. I, and I actually, if there's one thing that I would say about the postgame sound that we've heard, I like Miles Michaelis in that mindset clearly, hey, it was bad for me, but I don't think he felt like it was necessary. I mean, the C.J. Cron ball. That was a meatball. crap. That was a meatball. You do not see a ball go, I, even in that ballpark, go that far. Yeah, he ripped it. Too often. Uh, and he said, you know, it was a bad pitch, and he's going to do what he did, and he did, and he absolutely blasted that thing. But team one, I know I didn't pitch well, but whatever, I'm still confident. So really, as as a fan slash talk show host slash podcast host, that's what I would like to hear. Yeah, for sure. Even though 
you go, you're going to keep doing what you're doing. You got a 10.05 ERA. Hey, you know, if you're, if you're having another one of those against the Pirates, uh, you'll go, oh, okay. By the way, the Pirates and Brian Reynolds, he has been on an absolute tear. And I know there was some talk about him and the Cardinals this offseason. Meanwhile, the one uh, Cardinal player with an OPS over 1,000 is Nolan Gorman, who now leads the team with home runs with that go-ahead run. Last night in the ninth inning, he has three. Jordan Walker continues what has just been a series of hard-hit balls, and you saw it last night in the fifth inning. Um, yeah, I believe it was the top of the, fifth, or top of the fourth, top of the fifth, at end of the inning. Ripped a ball down the third base line. Nice play by the third baseman for the Rockies, knocking it down and getting Walker at first. Uh, but he continues to do his thing, and he is hitting 326 with two home runs. So it just continues for him. Hopefully... You get a good start from Jack Flaherty today, and the Cardinals can take two or three from the Rockies in this road trip somehow, which felt brutal, will end up at a 500 clip, and you come home and get a chance to do some damage against the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. All right, we will take a commercial break. We'll change topics as we will be joined by the great Darren Pang for his final appearance of the 2022-2023 season. It's coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to talk Blues Hockey with Darren Pang. Holy jump and what a save. Oh my. Refreshed by Urban Chestnut Brewing Company and their Urban Underdog Lager. Prost. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota's Balloon Party. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you, and it is our pleasure to welcome to the program Darren Pang. Morning, Panger. Good morning, Tim. Um, a, a very beautiful morning, I understand it, it is over there in St. Louis. Yeah, it is uh, optimal for ball striking today. Well, you should probably be working on your chipping. Uh, putting's okay. Uh, driving the ball. You should get out there today and really work on it because I'm sure you're getting nervous already. Well, you know, I'm monitoring the lightning very closely uh, and seeing the mindset of Patty Maroon. And okay. uh, and I and I'm going to try to sneak out on the back nine at Meadowbrook. I think I scream non-member just by appearance. Uh, and I'll probably be escorted yeah, off the grounds sure. fairly quickly. But, you know, if I can get a couple holes in, you know, I'll consider that a practice round. I'll tell you what, new logo uh, taking shape at, uh, at beautiful Meadowbrook. Oh, is that right? You know, the last in the, during the last, what has it been, four years, probably the renovations are complete, everything's good. And now, yeah, new logo. Wow. Really sharp. We'll have to take a yeah, look at that while yeah. I'm sneaking around the yeah. back nine. I think I'll get escorted off right when I'm along uh, Clayton Road, I think, is where they'll probably catch me. Yeah, probably on the, the par five right there. Yeah, when I when I play the tips, you know, what two forty to clear? That's yeah. my specialty. Yeah, that's a good point. I, <laughs> I I see that going right in the water in the left, but whatever. I mean, Jackson's with me too. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. Boy, howdy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where are you, you in Cal- Did I see you tweeting. You were in Calgary. Is that where you're heading, or you are? I'm in. I'm here. I'm in Calgary right now. I mean, uh, the TNT game tonight is uh, in St. Louis, and. Uh, um, like last week on Sunday, uh, Keith Jones, who does a phenomenal job with TNT, he's going to be doing the game tonight between the benches uh, in St. Louis. Uh, but on Sunday, he was in Anaheim, and I was in Philadelphia, where he uh, where he works for the Flyers. And now I'm going to be in Calgary, and he's going to be in St. Louis, where I would do the game there. 
So anyway, it's complicated, pal. It's complicated. <laughs> it does sound a little complicated. And on the surface, it might not make sense. But you know what? I'm sure it does make sense somewhere for someone. But you're in Calgary, and this season is coming to a conclusion. The Blues and- having their final home game this evening, taking on the Dallas Stars. If you were asked, let's say, by a guy doing a one-hour midday program, if to summarize the 2020-23 season, uh, how would you summarize the 2022-2023 season for the St. Louis Blues? Well, I would summarize it by saying uh, disappointed. I mean, uh, coming off of, you know 109 points last year, I, I thought there'd be some adjustments because whenever you, you hand the reins over to uh, – you know, to an, a, a newer group of players, um, a, a younger mindset, you know, there's going to be some adjustments, but I, I really thought that they would get through it, Tim, like it and battle through it. And, um, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the year, I didn't see at the very beginning that, you know, that Ryan O'Reilly wouldn't be here um, in the off season. I actually didn't see that David Prawn wouldn't, but then I, you know, you understand that's, that's, those are decisions being made and, and, and uh, he ends up in Detroit. So once I saw you know, Ryan O'Reilly without David Perron, I'm thinking, okay, somebody has got to fit in there because that's a huge part of this team being successful or not being successful. So, so I'd say, I mean, disappointed all the way around that, they, that the team couldn't defend as well as they, they should have, um, that they gave up as many like really high end chances yeah. as they did. And, you know what I mean? And, and at the end, you know, at the end of the day, they, uh, they just didn't play hard enough. And I, I think that's very easy to summarize. You don't need to be a, a real bright analyst between the benches to, to tell you that because our fans, you know, they saw it during the year. And then, and then when they played well, it's like, whoa, okay, well, okay, this is a good team. You know, and, and there was many moments where I was like, okay, they've turned the corner. This is a good hockey team and they're going to make it. And so, uh, so yeah, I guess that, that's, you know, expectations are always high in St. Louis because it's just the way that they play and they're always in the playoffs. So this, is, this has been sort of numbing that, that, they, that they're in this spot. And I'm sure for the players too, they've got to, you know what, Tim? You know, sometimes you have good shows and sometimes you have bad shows. And when you have a bad show, you probably go home at night, look in the mirror. You probably don't take off your shirt. You just probably look in the mirror. Yeah, you don't take maybe off your shirt. Maybe put on a muscle shirt or something like that. Or a medium. Maybe a medium right. shirt. Yeah, I'm, I'm a tight top guy. Then, South City guy. Yeah. And then, you, and then you, uh, you look there and you say, how can I be better tomorrow? That's what you probably do. Right. And that's what they've got to do this offseason. How can we be better and be a playoff team next year? Yeah, the first thing I do is I blame Jackson, and then I'll say, how can I be better tomorrow? And that's, that's the that, way that I, that's the way that I like what? to lead. But maybe that happened too often. Jackson maybe, screwed maybe, too often. I agree. Yeah. No, I was, maybe, maybe there was too much blame in others. Maybe there's not enough uh, self-accountability. You know, I mean, this. I don't even know what that word know. means. I mean, I don't even think it is a word. Still. Don't worry, I dropped all of this. Yeah. This thing got over yeah. there. We're playing a promo, is what we're doing now. There's no possible way I had a bad show. It's, it's absolutely impossible. Uh, yeah, the, the, the thing about it for, for Blues fans, I think, is you, you, you look at how the Avalanche, I don't want to say they breezed their way to the cup, but certainly they didn't uh, have too much trouble once they got past the Blues in the Western Conference final. And you go, man, this team must be close. And then for it to go this direction, I would describe it not only in disappointing fashion, but also really surprising. And and I, I don't think I believed that they were what they were until that homestand in January when, at that point, Doug Armstrong, I don't think, was left with any choice but to, to go into selling mode. Um, so from a specificity perspective on... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to go self-accountability, I'm going to have to try to outduel you with polysyllabic wow. words here today and just kind of 
hold my own and send a message to you and, and Pat Maroon, who I know specializes in big words as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's not true. That's, that's, that's really not accurate. <laughs> what specifically happened in 2022, 2023 for the Blues that you go, that if this thing's going to get back on the right track, this can't happen next year or whenever this team returns to being the team that Blues fans had gotten kind of used to over the last six, seven seasons, minus the one year they missed it in 18? Well, start the, start the season – Knowing that that uh, defending is hard, and and I, I saw a lot of teams this year that went through these. I'm telling you what, these preseason games are not good to start the season. Okay, and I don't think there's a manager or coach out there that would disagree with what I just said. Yeah, it's it's almost it's a waste of time. You you don't get into a you don't get into the you know the into the battle at all. And and I'm not okay. I'm somewhat blaming the amount of preseason games, but I, I but. I'm saying that there is absolutely no will to defend, and there wasn't this year. You go through your training camp, you go through your skating, you go through a preseason game. Bang, you dress your best players, the the, the lineup that you want at home against uh, whatever team, uh, Dallas. They dress uh, all their kids on the road, and not and not nearly an NHL caliber team. You go through that game, you win six to one. No stops and starts, no hitting, no yeah. checking, no defending. Bang, you go through the whole thing again. You go on the road, you bring your young players, they bring their older players, you get smoked six to one, and, and then just re- repeat. And then the season starts, and bang, the teams that were ready this year, that were ready to go, put the points in the bank. The Seattle, the Seattle crack and started the season the way the Blues normally start the season. They put points in the bank. And by the end, even if they trailed a little bit or they lost a little bit of gas, they, they, still, they still had enough there. And so the Blues didn't. They, they, they didn't start the season, in my opinion, wanting to defend. Stops and starts, getting pucks up, doing all the things necessary that you have to do to win hockey games. And I, it was a rush attack team. It was an odd man break team. It was a turn the puck over team. Oh, that's okay. We'll be okay. We got lots of games left. And, and so if, if there was a number one thing for me, it's starting the season on time next year. And, and I believe if they do, they're they're by far a playoff team. Hmm. Once you get that defending mentality in there, and it's in your locker room, and it's in your psyche, and and you practice it, and you do it, and and you're willing to take whatever it takes, you know, early on, then, then you're going to be just fine. I, I think there's no reason why the Blues, uh, with a couple of tweaks up front and a little mentality that has to change up front and 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 in front of their net, then I, I think. They're a playoff hockey team. I like that. That's a, lots I, of that down the stretcher. I like that. I like that angle. Final well, question for you. Know what, Tim, well, go it, ahead. It's easy to you know what it is. It's easy to go. Okay, we're going to replace this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Well, that's not going to happen. And you know that's that that is uh, on the nearly impossible way of doing things in the NHL now. Yeah. So especially with these gotta, dollar figures attached to some of these, right. let's replace these guys. Got, and you've got to make players accountable. And and if they're not if they're not doing what's necessary to defend, then you know then you have to you have to sit them. You have to take them off certain situations. I mean that that's the only way to win. And it it has been for a hundred years in this league. So no no uh, no reason why why you have to change that. Just do what's right. And if you do what's right, then that accountability is in your locker room, and the competitiveness is there. And then it goes line after line and player after player, and then you, then, then winning becomes ingrained again. 
I like that. I like that. Love it's a good. It. It's a. It's a really good angle uh, to take on it because yeah, you can't replace the roster. You can't trade. You know the half the defensive core. You got. You got what you got. You're gonna have to make it work. Plus, there is some young talent here. All right. Final question for you. Uh, okay. Bye. There's a. I saw on the Blues uh, tweet this out. Uh, they asked who the most famous person is in your phone. And then, uh, <laughs> then they had you go and, 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 and see if the person would pick up. You went to Charles Barkley, and, and you FaceTimed him, and he picked up, and you guys had a, a wonderful conversation. You, so you, you and Sir Charles are getting tight at TNT and TBS, huh? Well, I w- tight, no, but he's a great teammate. Yeah. That's a teammate right there. You know, when I signed with TNT a couple of years, whatever, you know, whatever it was, uh, a couple of years ago, first call I got was from Charles Barkley, and he FaceTimed me. And he, he said, he said, and all he said was, hey, little fella, welcome to the team. <laughs> I think he said, I could eat you as an appetizer, but he said, welcome to the team, little fella. And so, you know, so when that happens and during the course of a year, if he's watching a game, like he'll send a text or he, he, he's, a, he's a good FaceTimer. And so I'm like, Charles, you know, I could have gone the, the, the same route. I've got a lot of hockey friends. The one guy that I really wanted to call, and, but he's, he's not necessarily a guy to, to pick up all the time, and he certainly wouldn't have because the, the Masters were going on, and I think he was just finishing his round. But I do have, I've got Freddie Couples' phone oh. and, and, uh, number, and I, I really I, I cherish that because every once in a while he's a big hockey fan, and every once in a while he'll send, he'll send a, a, a text and he'll just say, hey, I'm watching that game, you know, a national game in the playoffs because he's a big hockey fan. And his caddy, Joel Cavez, and, and he'd be like, great job or something. And you're like, oh, my God, it's Freddie Couples just Freddie sending me a text. So, oh, yeah, nice. yeah. So I'm, thank- nice. yeah so I'm, I'm thankful. I love Boom Boom. Uh, <laughs> he, had a, he, had a, he had a nice Masters. I mean, he made the cut, setting a record. Great Oldest guy master. to make the, ca- uh, the cut, huh? Un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I watch, you know, you watch guys like that, that silky smooth swing and that – you know, and there's a guy that struggled with his putter, and yet he's still, you know, he's still battling it, even though he's using that yellow ball or that whatever that color. <laughs> yeah, that was a little surprise. Is. Yeah, him and Bubba Watson changed colors. Uh, Bubba's back on the white, yeah. but uh, yeah, f- f- uh, Freddie. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. That, 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 is, he, is he become a big Kraken guy? Like, I know he's a Seattle guy. native. Yeah, actually, yeah, he is. He's actually that was probably one of the games early in the year that I was doing that he he's like we got to get a win, and um, you know, and I was doing the game for TNT, so he's so that's and and again that's you know it's also the nice part about you know, doing national games again is that there's a lot of people that you haven't heard from for a while that still have your number from, I've got, I've had this number for 20 years and, or longer. And, and they, they, they reach out cause there they see again. And it's, so it's, it's really nice. Actually. It's enjoyable. Jackson was going to enjoy su- the playoffs. Jackson was a little surprised that, uh, that you didn't, that you didn't choose me as the most famous person whose number you have in your phone. I was, I didn't necessarily think that, but Jackson said that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? He's under JB. I thought that was somebody else. Excuse. Yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, that's what happened there, Jackson. Yeah, I, you know, mistakes happen. And I was, you know, I was watching the video. Of course, it was great to well, see Sir Charles, the round man, the rebound. But I really wanted to see Tim McKernan pop up there. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. You know what, Charles? They had to make that short, but Charles then he continued on, and we had to beat <laughs> out he did. a couple. Of yeah, things. he doesn't do fifteen seconds hit, does he? No, no, he he doesn't, and he was just and he literally just got his makeup on, and he was you know whatever he was sitting in that their green room there, and then he wanted to talk about the Boston Bruins, and then he wanted to talk about why aren't they sitting guys, and then he wanted to talk about <laughs> the over and under, and then and so I was like, oh man, I gotta go, like <laughs> <laughs> I gotta cut this guy off, Chuck. <laughs> That's amazing. He's he's never not on. It seems like. 
he's never not on. Yeah. And you are exactly right. And we, I had the same. I was in Philadelphia, you know, uh, on Sunday. And yes, whatever morning it was, Monday morning when I was coming back, the the drivers that TNT use often it's a company company driver. So I had the same one that that Charles used in Philadelphia. And this driver couldn't have been nicer, kind kind old gentleman. And he just kept telling story after story about Charles, who still has a place in Philly, still helps out with whatever charity wants. And, and he's just a true. I mean, he is just a, what he is. I, I love that guy. I'll, I'll miss the day that he's not a broadcaster because he makes everything real as broadcaster. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I could not agree with you more. Yeah, that was a great uh, thing for the, those who haven't seen it. It's a Blues Twitter account. They tweeted that out with uh, a bunch of the guys on the team, but then Panger with the uh, grand finale with Sir Charles. Outstanding stuff. <laughs> Panger, we've enjoyed it throughout the course of the season, and whenever we can set this thing up, me and the TMA crew, Jackson uh, up against you and Patty Maroon, the showdown. I mean, we're undefeated. Yeah. We vanquished Chris Nagel, seven and six, and all we said on that green is who's next. And you and Patty Maroon raised your hands and you said you want a shot at the title. Well, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And baby, I am the man. Rolex time 24 7. Camera, it's been your pleasure. Who's next? I got nothing after that except the holy jump and you're going down. <laughs> It's coming up here in the next couple of months, Panger. We've enjoyed it. Thanks so much, man. It's been a great. It's been a great winter. I uh, love your show. You know that, Tim. I I just love coming on. You've got great energy, and and uh, I really appreciate you and uh, Jack's taking care of me here this this year. And and our friends at Urban Chestnut too. Yeah, are, uh, absolutely. Uh, David Wolf and the gang over there. They're fantastic people, and uh, it's a it's a great it's a great beer. So go on over there to Urban Chestnut and enjoy it. Thank you, Panger. We've really enjoyed it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, pal. All right, that's Darren Pang with us here talking it over. What's it going to be like, Jackson? I mean, yeah, bringing Chris Nagel, that's one guy. Yeah. Now we have, Pang's like a plus two or something. Do I look nervous? Wow. And you know who said that one time? Uh, he plays goalie, right? Mm. I thought you were going to finish with some momentum. <laughs> uh, all right, we got the Little Piddles Wednesday uh, Rap. Knowledge session? I can't nice, remember. Nice, wonderful alliteration. That's coming up. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. I'm 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. This is 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That is Action Jackson Burkett. And we take it to the top of the hour with BK and Ferrario. Darren Pang with us in the previous segment. You missed it? Podcast, Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast on the 101 ESPN app. And now that it is 1040 in St. Louis, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Action Jackson has his Wednesday uh, wraparound goal. Yeah, I think it's Wednesday chatter, it could be. Uh, Wednesday. Wow, so creative. Uh, Little Piddles Wednesday Wisdom. Oh, I'm a fan. All right, what do we got? In your opinion, 
Is the Cardinals' slow start this season more of an indictment on the front office and the roster construction or on Ali Marmol and the coaching staff? Oh, front office. I don't even think twice on that. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I don't think twice on that. But certainly pitching would be, that would be the only. Well, I mean, theoretically, hey, you know, if you would have told me through, what, 11 games now, let's see if I'm looking for a stat here, uh, that you would ask me this back in January. So taking spring training out when it kind of started to turn, that the order of the most it bats for the Cardinal outfield at this moment, that's why I'm pivoting off of just the obvious, which is the starting pitching construction, which people were talking about for months. The outfield at bats so far, 2023, Eve Plum, Jan Brady, Jordan Walker, 43, he's your leader. Who is second, Jackson? Take a guess. Gorman? No, I'm sorry. And he is not an outfielder. Oh, sorry. Um, I hate to I hate to have to correct that. Why, I wasn't listening to the first part. Uh, Juan Yepes. <laughs> what were you doing? Were you Who watching knows? that Lakers hold off the T-Wolves? Uh, the dumb foul by Anthony Davis. But regardless, um, uh, Yepes is my next guess. Has the second most at bats. No, that Are was dumb. Are you at this point just, just yelling out things? <laughs> I was yelling at outfielders. Um... Tyler O'Neill. Vince Coleman. Tyler O'Neill. Vince Coleperson, I apologize. No, uh, Tyler O'Neill is actually correct. That is yes. 35. Next. Third time's a charm. Um, yes. Carlson? No. Poof. Boy. Uh, Alec Burleson. Yes. Nice. So you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. The order of at-bats so far this season. Now, of course, Lars Newtbar has been out, so you have an asterisk next to that. But with that said, a guy that a lot of Cardinal fans three weeks ago wasn't sure was going to make the team, I was pretty confident that they were going to put him on the roster. Health certainly being the contingency, Jordan Walker is leading the team. And then then it's Tyler O'Neill who had his ass handed to him in a press conference. <laughs> Wally Gagger. And then had it handed to him again before the game the next day uh, is second. And then it's Alec Burleson. I mean, if you could have put that in some kind of play... You'd be paid. You'd be paid. So what I'm saying is, is, and it's something I'm going to keep hammering home, and finally it got going last night in a clutch spot from Nolan Arenado, and I know that's going to be there, and you know Goldschmidt's going to be there. I don't know if his numbers are going to be what they were last year. Obviously, that's a career year, an MVP year, and at a certain point uh, age-wise, there's going to be a a decline, not to say that it's going to be precipitous. But with that all said, the outfield still has question marks. Certainly. The names look good, but Tyler O'Neill had one 2021. He doesn't have a career full of 2021s. And so Tyler O'Neill is in whatever position that he's in with the manager. Uh, Jordan Walker, outstanding what he's doing, historic what he's doing. But then you have question marks. And here's Dylan Carlson, and, I'm, and I want to make this clear. Anytime I talk about Juan Soto and Dylan Carlson, I'm not saying, yeah, the Cardinals didn't want to trade <laughs> Dylan Carlson for Juan Soto like it was a straight-up deal. But that certainly was a focal point, and it wasn't just media speculation. John Mazalak addressed it and said he went up to him and told him he isn't going anywhere because the Cardinals view him as a key part of the future. Well, now he's not a starter, and now he's behind Alec Burleson, a guy who doesn't exactly look, you know, like Willie Mays when he's out in the outfield. No. So... Yes, you have starting pitching, but also this outfield situation is just something to keep an eye on, even though I recognize, it, unlike the starting staff, which has a very relative to other world championship contenders, a low ceiling, 
as it's currently constructed. The outfield has a much higher ceiling, but uh, it's 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 not it's not firing yet. And uh, a couple of the guys that you would have expected to be in there, one is hurt, but then you have another that this time what eight months ago when they were talking with the Washington Nationals about Juan Soto, they didn't want to move him, and you know now he can't get in the lineup. So it's it's just something that. I just I don't get it. I here's what it gets down to, and I know it sucks. When I used to do a show with Edmonds, he used to say this, and it was like the the discussion killer. But he was a hundred percent right. Well, we're not in the locker room, so the truth is we just don't really know what's going on. And I go, God, that sucks. It's right, yeah. but I hate that you said it. But it's a hundred percent right, and that's the truth. There's something just doesn't add up to it to me. So I don't know. I look at the lineup every day. I'm like, this modern guy who I didn't know about until I was down in spring training. He's in there more than anybody. I feel like yeah, he's gotten a lot recently, and he's pinch hitting in key moments. So I don't know what else you got, Jackson, in the Wednesday Piddles wisdom. There you go. Uh, if the Cardinals struggles with starting pitching continues, do you think there would be a situation where the team calls up one of the young guys in the minors to get a spot start and maybe test the waters? If so, which one do you think it would be? Well, I think the logical one would be Libertor. Right. But I don't know if they would necessarily pull the trigger on that because they're not going to do it with Michaelis. The only situation I could see is Wayno continues to his injury. And Woodford, of, that, that's right. the one that it would be. Right, because Mats, they're not going to do they're it. They're not going to do it with Mats. Uh-huh. They're not going to do it with Montgomery. No, no, at this point, should they? He's been solid to good. Um, so from that standpoint, I would say that, you know, unless Flaherty has a, just constant control problems and it finally catches him, yeah, catches up with him. But I don't know if that's the direction that they would go. It would be Woodford. It would be Woodford if the Wayno thing lingers. And then, yeah, I would think Libertor, maybe McGreevy, would get a spot start. But the Cardinals, I feel like, have done that in years past where they bring up a guy a little too quickly and it kind of actually like sets them back a little progress-wise. I feel like they did oh, that with yeah. Johan Oviedo. That's, that's an example who had a great start this past weekend for the Pirates, Yeah. by the way. We're going to see him here in St. Louis. All right, moving on to the next question. As the Blues play their final home game this evening, where does your mentality stand on next season? Are you optimistic that the rebuild will be quick and the Bulls, the Blues can return to playoff caliber next season, or are you being cautious and think it may take some more time to get back into that category? I have a lot more optimism about it than I did a month ago, without question. I really like Darren Pang's answer. I'll be honest with you, it was kind of a throwaway question on my part being real honest honesty and media it's transparency absolutely you know i mean because i've asked that question plenty i know blues fans have discussed it and i also know he doesn't really know and i also know the blues don't have the cap room to suddenly change this team and i also know they're not just going to be able to unload bad you know defenseman contracts so they're kind of stuck but i like that answer because i think for a lot of people and i'd include myself in this category you go, okay you're off to a slow start it's october hockey you know 75 games left whatever sure but when you look back on it it started from the very beginning and i was kind of in denial on it oh they'll be fine oh they'll be fine now look at this winning streak see they're fine oh no here's another losing streak what the hell's going on and they just never were able to right the ship and the same crap that was going on in october was going on when doug armstrong decided that's enough and that was ridiculously easy scoring opportunities for the opposition and so the mindset has to be established from the get-go. I do think that the talent is there to an extent. I still think you got real problem with some of the dollars, not some of, a lot of the dollars that are allocated to the defensemen. And I don't know if that can fix that situation. But, um, yeah, I'm optimistic that I'm, I'm not, let me put it this way. 
I'm not going into the 2023-2024 season going, well, you know, come grow with us and yeah. John Davidson and TJ Oshie and Patrick Berglund are knocking on doors. Uh, I'm not in that mindset. So from my standpoint, I will go into it hopeful that they can uh, get back into the playoffs next year, realizing it might be, uh, you know, an underdog to do it. But I think that that's a possibility. And it's a lot of that's because of what we've seen over the last month. All right. Uh, the Masters put up huge numbers for their Sunday final round. Eclips- 16 million. Eclipsing 16 million viewers, the highest rated golf event of the last five years. Why do you think this tournament caught so many people's interest? Was it the final pairing? Could it be the golf surge that has occurred since the pandemic? Uh, I think the game is in a really good spot, which sounds counterintuitive because a lot of the attention has been on the live thing. Yeah. But I think when you have, I think any time... I know you weren't around for this, and I was really young when it was going on. But both tennis and boxing, when I was really, really young, were still a staple mm-hmm. in American sports. And if you look back on that time, and I'm talking about the early and mid-1980s, you had young American superstars, both in men's and women's tennis. Mm-hmm. You had John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors on the men's side. You had Chris Everett. And Martina Navratilova was the rival, obviously, not an American, but that certainly uh, that was something that American tennis fans would watch to sure. pull for Chrissy Everett. And then boxing, take your pick, the attention of the 70s with Muhammad Ali, and then it carries over into the 1980s, and Mike Tyson arrives on the scene. And once that evaporated, both because of in-ring and out-of-the-ring issues, it's like, okay, remember boxing or right. tennis? Yeah, and then people who are in their 80s go, hey, I could tell you about horse racing. That used to be a big thing. So golf right now has young American stars also going up against the controversial element of the Live Tour with the established guys from 20 years ago playing, in Tiger's case, competing, in Mickelson's case, in the biggest surprise, I think, of all. And there's also some personality there, and there's some controversy there. And also, from Vince McMahon's school, even though it wasn't intended, you have perceived good guys and bad guys, yep. faces and heels. Yep. And whether it's a, a heel you know, for golf community of Patrick Reed for what he does uh, in, with respect to the rules, or because they don't like somebody who went to live tour, they don't like somebody who's become the face of the PGA tour and the way he's handling the way he's playing, Rory McElroy. And then you got a guy who's one of the best players in the world getting his first masters. I think all of that combined to lead to a lot of interest, but I think there's just a lot of interest in the game right now relative to where it was um, pre Tiger, when I think that was probably a downtime for the game's casual appreciation all right it's 1051 so i know i got a break and we'll come back and wrap it up with the uh, wednesday piddles wrap up wisdom uh this is balloon party driven by mugging st louis acura and alton toyota on 101 espn we're right back to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Welcome back. Balloon Party driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson here on 101 ESPN. BK and Ferrario coming up in a matter of minutes. Jackson, some television ratings news on the heels of your last question regarding the Masters and the huge weekend it had with regards to the attention it got both on streaming and on CBS, despite the fact that uh, for many it was a holiday with Easter on Sunday, Major League Baseball's ratings also up. I touched on this in the first segment 
Uh, the ratings are up through the first 11 days of Major League Baseball, and the game times down substantially. Games ran an average of two hours and 38 minutes. Mm-hmm versus three hours and nine minutes for the first 11 days of the 2022 season. So a material impact on it. And I know Ali Marmol had his issues with getting the replay in two nights ago, but I'm telling you, there were times over the last number of years where I'd be like, I got to watch the Cardinal game. And I'd be like, God, I got to do it. I got to do it out of my job responsibility, not because I want to watch the game. And this year... Early on, and certainly with the Cardinals not playing great baseball, I find myself watching the game, enjoying watching the game because of the pace. And it's not about the length of the game. It's about the pace of the action. So that is what I want to keep emphasizing. And in addition to that, uh, I'm, you know, as a child of the 80s, I grew up on stolen bases and whitey ball, and the stolen bases have increased. The television ratings have increased. The batting averages have increased. Uh, All of this data from front office sports, um, because in part the defensive shifts and also um, how teams are putting runners in motion way more often. Uh, Teams average 1.3 stolen bases per 1.7 attempts for the first 11 days of the season. That's nearly an 80% success rate. During last season, teams averaged one stolen base per 1.3 attempts for a 74% success rate, and obviously fewer attempts. Batting averages up to 249 versus 233 during the first 11 games of the season, and uh, ratings up across the board. The Yes Network, the Yankees station, uh, best viewership start in five years. The Yes Network's averaged more than 380,000 viewers. That's up 9% from last season. And MLB Network posted its most-watched opening day in its 14-year history. The network's telecast, the Yankees and Giants, averaged 348,000 viewers, and that's up 7% over the comparable time period telecast in 2022. It was their best daytime showcase since 2012. So there is real enthusiasm there. On the other side of things, college basketball, not surprisingly, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this to mock the sport I know you love. I celebrate your passion. Appreciate that. I want you to know that I celebrate you I celebrate your passion, mm-hmm. and I celebrate your commitment to keeping your hair, whereas I stopped <laughs> taking Propecia, and now I look like some kind of horror movie character. <laughs> yeah, but you got a nice beard. No, uh, no, I'm excited about my beard. Yeah. There's a lot of buzz about my beard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, lowest college basketball rating since 2018. That was Villanova, Michigan. I thought it was Gonzaga and Baylor, but it was Villanova, Michigan. That kind of surprises me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, meanwhile, the day before, the highest ever women's college basketball game ratings. Yep. So it wasn't a college basketball thing. I think it was the teams that were in it. It's a star power thing, just not the star power there that there's been in years past for like identifiable, I know that person, they've either been there for a while or they're a highly touted recruit out of high school. It just wasn't that. Two really great teams. If you would have had Florida Atlantic against a powerhouse, and I don't know who the powerhouse was this year. I know Alabama was the overall one, but I don't know if they were necessarily viewed like some of these recent teams. Yeah. That would have captured the country's imagination. Probably. I And I, I said this on TMA, I, can tell you, I think it's very, it's a, disadvantage for college football and college basketball to play their games late on Monday nights. I do not, to me, that makes very minimal sense. You have a lot of success with March Madness on the weekends, why they choose to go on a Monday night late, especially on the East Coast, 920 tip-off. It, to me, just doesn't make any sense. That's Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. Time to shut it down. BK and Ferrari are up next. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungan at St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.